Hi, welcome to the Grief Awakening Podcast. My name is Elise Dusso, and I'm a grief coach and Reiki practitioner here in Nashville, Tennessee. I help guide others who are grieving to reignite their relationships with their loved ones on the other side, helping them ease the ache of grief. This is a podcast where we can have open conversations about grief, loss, intuition, signs, and I'll even tell you about my story as a young widow. If you'd like to connect, feel free to reach out to me at intuitively underscore Elise on Instagram or email me at intuitivelyelise at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Grief Awakening podcast. It has been quite a whirlwind of a week since that last episode came out on Friday. And I want to thank you all for the amazing feedback on that story of me telling my truth, if you will. And I'm so excited about those of you who reached out about doing a intuitive or medium reading with me. At this time, all the open spaces are filled, but I may consider opening up the books for the month of December. And if that's the case, keep an eye on my social media. That's where I will be sharing about that. Um, Or I may just end up making this a permanent offer that you all can book whenever you'd like to. Um, With that said, we're going to get into this week's episode. We are chatting with Tiffany Lynn of TiffanyLynn.life. She is a Reiki practitioner, a yoga teacher in training, and the host of Flowing with Tiffany Lynn, the podcast. We also just happen to have the same Reiki master teacher, um, Stephanie Camille of Medium in the Middle. So shout out to you, girl. And unfortunately, another thing that we share is that we are both um, young widows. Tiffany also lost her fiance quite suddenly at a young age. And that is what we chat a lot about in this episode, as well as um, she gives us a few tips about grief. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into the episode. Enjoy. Hey, Tiffany. So good to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. It's so good to connect with you again. So for those of you who don't know Tiffany, she is um, also an Reiki practitioner and also a yoga teacher, correct? In training. (laughs) In training. Yoga teacher in training. Amazing. And um, she had reached out to me and kind of explained to me how we have very similar um, journeys with losing a partner. And I really wanted to hear her story and have her come on the podcast today. So if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and just kind of give us an overview of how you met your um, fiance, your partner, and the events leading up to his passing as much as you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah. So, yep, I'm Tiffany. (laughs) Um, I'm the youngest of four siblings raised in Orlando, Florida. Um, I've always been super spiritual. Um, I was religious as a kid and then realized that organized religion just wasn't for me. Um, and that was kind of solidified after my fiance's passing. Um, because it didn't sit right with me that some of the most amazing people that we can know, um, if they're not baptized or repent, then they don't go to a very good place. So I didn't, yeah. it didn't sit right with me. Cause I, I felt in my heart that he was happy that he was free. And even though he wasn't physically here with me, I knew he was still here. 
And do you want to just explain like how you all met? Yeah. Got together. So, it's actually kind of funny because <laughs> we went to the same middle school. So we were very young. Um, and I knew him before he knew me. Um, I actually, the first day that I ever saw him, I was walking, it was after school and I was walking with my best friend to the car pickup loop, um, where like your parents wait to pick you up. And I saw this kid sitting on top of a building next to the gym on top of the building. (laughs) And I looked at her and I was like, who is that? Me, I was completely smitten. I was, it was love at first sight for me. <laughs> and she was like, oh, that's Aiden. And it was like, we were walking away and I was, I don't know, something in me just knew. I was like, we're going to be together one day. That's, mm-hmm. that's my person. <laughs> but we didn't actually end up meeting until about two and a half years later. Wow. Yeah. So. Was he in the same um, grade as you in your in school? Well, he was. So we were four months apart, but he was a grade ahead of me. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I was 15 and he was 16 when we started dating. Um, and it was super cute. He actually asked me to be his girlfriend. It was, it was adorable. <laughs> um, but yeah, so fast forwarding, I guess, um, we, we're both, um, we were smitten with each other. Like we were both really into that nineties R and B kind of like love story and Oh, the drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but when Anne was 19, he started having seizures and the doctors didn't really know why they said it was, probably like stress induced or anxiety. Um, but they couldn't really like stop them from happening. So he tried a lot. Um, CBD oil, he tried all of the medications that they were giving him, but it was like the seizures just kept getting stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, he was living life fine with them for the most part. Um, there was one time where when we, we weren't living together um, and he was going to work and I was following behind him in my car. And he, it was the first and the only time that he actually had a seizure while driving. Wow. That's scary. That was terrifying. That was terrifying. Um, but it just so happened that I was there. So <laughs> Did you see him start swerving off the road or was he at a stop sign? Like how did that end up happening? Yeah, it was hard to tell at first because it was like, I was on a hyper alert because I always was. Um, It's kind of, I guess it's always kind of like that when um, someone you love has an illness, you're just always on like, okay, what is going to (laughs) happen? So I was watching and we were at a stop sign, but then he started to go. And then I noticed that he started driving a lot slower. Um, and then he did kind of swerve a little, but then he like came back in the lane and I was like, what is he doing? Um, <clears throat> and then 
And then he just kind of like went right off, um, like over the median in, into a tree. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's wild because there was traffic coming from the other side, but nobody was like in his lane of travel. So mm. that was good. And then there happened to be um, like two nurses and a paramedic that saw it. So it was like quick response from everybody. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yes, his seizures kept getting worse and then he even started having them at work. Um, so he was in technical support for Apple and Normally, he would only have seizures at night, except for the time he had it behind the wheel. And then he started having them during the day at his desk, walking through the hallway at work. And it was it was really scary. <laughs> it was becoming like more and more frequent. Yeah. Did the and doctors um, diagnose him with epilepsy or anything like that? No, they didn't because they could never trigger one. Hmm. Um, which is also really weird because they would do like the flashing lights and like the everything. And so they had no idea what was triggering them. Not a, not a clue. <laughs> um, and then uh, about a month before he passed, he actually got on a new medication that we thought was working. Um, his mom was also a massage therapist. So she would do um, massages and things on him because that was also... Um, something that she thought would help. Um, that was kind of like a routine. Like every Friday she would come over and give him a massage and yeah. So it seemed to be working. He went a while without, um, seizures and then, uh, four days, four days before he passed, he was laid off from his job. So I was worried because I thought that the stress from that might induce a seizure for him. Um, so I just kind of like tried to be, I was a very stressed person. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I tried to be as calm as possible and just let him know like, Hey, it's fine. We're going to figure it out. Um, I had a good job at the time. So it was like, we weren't, we weren't crazy struggling or anything like that. Um, so it seemed to be going okay. Um, but another thing with the seizures is that we were never really, intimate, um, because that would also induce one. Wow. Um, but I guess we thought the medication was working and everything. So we took the risk. And then two days later on August 28th of 2018, um, I woke up that morning to go to work. Um, and I was running late as usual. <laughs> and he unexpectedly woke up with me and he wanted to give me a hug and normally I would have like rushed it and been like, I gotta go, I gotta go. But something told me to just like enjoy that time with him. And then it turned out to be the last time I ever got to hug him. Wow. And you had been, you guys got engaged earlier that year, correct? Yes. New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. So you hadn't like been engaged for very long, but had you started planning a wedding at that point and stuff, or were you still like in the very beginning stages of doing all that? We had, um, cause we were actually supposed to get, so we got engaged on New Year's Eve and we were going to get married on New Year's Eve. Oh, okay. So, yeah. 
So we had the venue, we had, um, we had pretty much everything already. We were in the process of picking cake. So that was rough. And then having to go to the venue and then tell them what happened. And, oh, that was rough. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I hate, I hated making all those types of phone calls. Um, so was you had gone off to work and he had had a seizure after you left, correct? What, who then just found him or called an ambulance for him? Um, so his mom found him. Um, I had been trying to reach him while I was at work. Um, and I wasn't getting any response from him. So around like three o'clock, I had asked his mom if she would um, go to our apartment and check on him. And she tried calling and wasn't getting a response. So then she went over there and, um, she found him face down on the floor and tried to give him CPR. Um, but it didn't work. So she called the ambulance and then she called, I believe she called my mom um, because she was crying and she didn't want to call me while she was crying. Mm -hmm. um, so she called my mom so that my mom would be there when I got there. And then she called me and told me that I needed to get home. She didn't give me any details. She said, she said the ambulance was on their way and that I needed to get home as soon as possible. So on my way home, my dad actually called me because my mom called my dad. <laughs> and that's kind of when I knew when my dad okay. called me. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever have like, I know you're very intuitive. We've talked about this before. Did you ever have any like inclination that what was going on with him was going to lead to something like that? I did. Oh, that's so crazy that you ask. Okay. I did. Um, and for the longest time after he did pass, I was kind of like, did I like manifest that? Did I make it happen? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about it. Like, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I would think about it more than I'd like. Um, yeah. not on purpose. It was kind of like just a random thought that would pop into my head. And I'm like, I can't think about that. That's not happening. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And then it did. And then I was like, wow, is it my fault? <laughs> yeah. I had a similar experience with my partner as well. And I don't publicly talk about this a lot, but um, I'll just tell this story real quick. Two months before he had passed away. So in April of 2020, I was driving in my car on my way to work, sitting in traffic as I often did. And you know, you're, you start to daydream a little bit um, when you're sitting in traffic. I had a daydream or what I would now just call a vision of him getting in a car accident, a head-on collision. And I remember catching myself in the moment being like, why am I thinking about this? Why would I want to think about this? Like, stop it, you know, talking to myself. <laughs> and, but I couldn't, I couldn't let it go. Like it would come up a lot. I would think about it. Um, like seeing the whole thing happen in my head and just two months later, it, you know, it happened for real. So I do sometimes think that those little uh, intuitive hits that you're getting, whether it be a vision or a feeling are maybe a, a warning, you know, in some instances, does that, how that feel like, did that experience feel like that for you? I mean, it definitely could have been, I think at the time it just scared me. Yeah. Uh, like I, that was never something that I wanted to accept was going to happen. 
Although I knew it was something that could because a lot of people, a lot more people than we know die from seizures. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that was sad. Um, I also kind of, I think it was about a week or two before. Um, I also, I, I had this feeling that like we weren't supposed to get married. Mm. And wow. I don't, I, I don't say that often just because it sounds weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wrote it down in my journal and, um, it's, I don't know. It was just like this feeling, like I felt like we weren't supposed to get married, but it was like, neither of us were going to like end our relationship because things were going well. And then we didn't end up getting married. So <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is. That's heavy to look back on and see something like that or feel something like that and then see how it played out knowing like, wow, that was probably my intuition telling me, giving me that little, that pull, that hit that this might not go the way we planned. Yeah. Um, so after he passed, did you spend a lot of time still living in that apartment? Did you move? Did you, I'm just curious because I know it was hard for me to stay in our home that we shared together. I wonder if you experienced something similar. Um, not really. At first, it was kind of comforting for me um, because it was the last place that he was. Yeah. My mom and my sister actually stayed with me for a month, um, and I'm I'm a I'm a loner, <laughs> so I like to be alone a lot. Um, but during that time, it was actually, it was okay. Because um, I remember the first time I went to go do the laundry and I sat down in front of the dryer and just started bawling my eyes out. It's kind of nice to have somebody to hug. <laughs> but um, yeah, after that month, it was lonely for me, but it was also super comforting because I that was when I got really into my spirituality. Um, his mom was the one that like gifted me my first crystals and my first oracle deck and all of that. So I spent a lot of time meditating and actively like trying to connect with him. Um, I know my first experience actually feeling him was the same day that he passed. Um, I was sitting in a chair and I felt him come up behind me and hug me. But yes, so I did stay in the apartment until my lease was up, which was early February. Um, and then I started looking for other apartments. Um, and in my process of looking for another apartment, I actually met a lady who also had terminal cancer and was talking. She would talk to me about her grief process while still being alive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is so crazy. The people that you meet when you're on this kind of journey. And it's just <laughs> wild. Um, but I ended up staying in the same complex and just moving to a different apartment. Was um, it hard for you to go from living with him to then living alone? Um, I wouldn't say that it was hard. Um, it was weird at first. But then it was also... The, the apartment that we had together was very big. So being there by myself in that sense, that was hard. 
just because there was so much space. It was like, I felt yeah. like there needed to be somebody else. Um, mm-hmm. But then the apartment that I ended up going to was a lot smaller. So um, I kind of embraced it and just decided to make it mine. Um, so I just made it like a sanctuary and <laughs> there was green stuff everywhere and it was very eclectic. Um, but yes. And then even still being in the same like community was v- super comforting for me because I could still walk by our, the apartment that we had together and I'd sit down on the sidewalk and I would just, I don't know, talk to him. Not like he was there, but like, because yeah. he was with me. Mm-hmm. So, so you said you started feeling him. Did you start noticing any type of, um, signs or anything like that from him? Like little messages or even dreams? I did. Um, I used to dream about him a lot, um, which is kind of crazy now knowing that like grief can actually block a lot of that connection. But I feel like right after it happened, all I wanted to do is sleep. So I did dream about him a lot. Um, I never, most of the dreams that I had, I like, I couldn't hear like anything he was saying to me but he was there and it was like, I could feel everything. (laughs) Um, though this one, um, visitation in particular that I remember so vividly, it was just him like coming in almost like angel, like, um, everything was like white behind him and he was standing in front of me and I was holding his hands and I was just like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're here. Um, and he did say something, but I have no idea what he said. Even to this day, I don't know what he said. And we were just standing there for a while. And then after a bit, he started to like, like fade away, like into the back. And I was like, no, don't go. I'm not ready. And then I woke up and I was crying. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know if this would be also like a visitation or like a a sign from him or something. But I do the day that I moved from that apartment um, into my apartment by myself, we had moved everything or no, actually that morning when I woke up before anybody even got there to help me, I, I had started sleeping on his side of the bed because it comforted me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So when I rolled over um, the floor was right there. So Cause he was on the left side. So I rolled over to the left. And then when I looked at the floor where he was found, I could see, um, like, a not a puddle, but like a spot of like blood. Um, because when he would have seizures, he would bite his tongue. So being face down, it would, it went onto the floor and I was actually, mm-hmm. I cleaned it. Um, after he passed. So that morning I saw it on the floor and it freaked me out because I'm like, wait, I cleaned that. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Um, But then after we had moved everything out of the room, um, and I went back to the apartment with my sister to just, you know, say goodbye. My sister told me that she saw it too after everything was out. And then later on, I found out that his mom also saw it. So, <laughs> Did you go back and it wasn't there? Yeah. Oh my gosh. 
So I'm like, wow, this- I have full body, like <laughs> I have chills right now. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what it meant, but, um, she, his mom said that she, she thinks it was his way of saying that he was, he was glad that I was leaving. Mm. But I wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking like that for you, seeing that blood on the floor is probably not a happy memory. <laughs> and for me, typically when the, at least in my experience, when a sign comes through, they try to give you something that's a happy memory. Um, so yeah, it could have just been his way of saying like, I support this. Like it's time, to, it's time to move over, move on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, but other than that, um, most of the signs that I would get for him were like smelling his cologne. I would smell his cologne all the time. Um, and songs. Um, I kept his car for a while mm. and I would just go and sit in it sometimes, um, just like run it in the parking lot. And it was still on the station that he was listening to. And this, there's this one song that would play every time I turned it on, which was also the same song from the same artist that he would play whenever we were in the car together. Um, so I always knew that was him. Mm. Um, how is your relationship with his mom now that you're a few years out? Do you guys keep in contact? Are you in touch? We do. Um, she moved about two years ago, um, up North. So, um, I go and visit her a lot. Um, and we talk all the time. It's just kind of, um, I think we've both gotten to this place in our healing where, we, we want to make sure that we're not like hindering the other person's growth. Um, and I mean, I think she worries about that with me, like trying to move on, um, and things like that. But then for me, it's like, she's not just like my mother-in-law. She's, she's like my mom too. So mm-hmm. I don't see any of it as like hindering my ability to move on or anything like that. If anything, she's, helping me. Um, and honestly, I don't know what I would have done without her. (laughs) Yeah. That's so beautiful. I do resonate with that too, because I feel like, um, some people in my own family on the looking in from the outside, you know, me having such a close connection with my, my fiance's family, they would see it as like me being holding on to too much or, um, hindering my, my growth, my ability to move forward. And, I don't feel that at all. I, for me, it's the opposite. It helps me feeling um, connected to my old self, which I think is important, right. my old life. And also they're grieving the same person that you're grieving. You know, um, it helps to have that person there who understands what you're going through, right? Yeah, I think it's beautiful that you said that too, because I think a lot of times when we grieve, the loss of someone that we love, we don't think about the fact that we're also grieving the loss of who we were with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that I had to come to terms with too, because I'm like, I don't even know who I am anymore. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like, like looking back on it, that you've changed a lot since that time in your life? Like, I yeah. feel like I'm a completely different person. Yes. I, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like there's really any part of me that's, the same person, which is scary. It's really scary. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know for me, like friend groups have changed. Um, 
you know, people that I'm close with or were close with before, uh, you know, I see them now and then, but they're not the major, you know, characters in my life anymore. And that is, that is hard when you look back at your old self and you're like, oh, I kind of miss her, but I really love where I am now too. Yeah. Do you, um, do you ever experience like, uh, things like memories or triggers that will pop up? Like if you pick up an item or something like that and it reminds you of him, is it emotional for you? How do you move through those types of things? Um, so I feel like that's kind of complicated. <laughs> oh yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I can look at something that would normally like that would, I can think of him. It would remind me of him. And then sometimes I could just feel nothing. Um, but like happiness and then sometimes I'll just completely collapse. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so even that still is kind of cute, confusing for me. Um, but I do, I don't get triggered as often, but I do still, um, like even just this week, I had like three instances where I was triggered and I was like, what in the world? Because that's not the norm now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm finding that now as well, even just being, you know, almost two and a half years out. Um, I never know when something's going to be a trigger. And one day it might be and the next day it might not. It really just depends my emotional state as well and how like tightly I'm holding on to those little things, you know. Um, for instance, like yesterday I found a coffee mug in my dishwasher that I hadn't used. I had family over the weekend staying with me and they didn't know, you know, I didn't think to say, Oh, please don't use this coffee mug. Like it was Jared's. It was this like special coffee mug that he made. Um, he had drawn like star Wars doodles on it or whatever with a paint marker. And um, so the coffee mug was used and I had put in the dishwasher. I ran the dishwasher, didn't know it was in there. And so me finding this mug was like, I, broke down you know because it was like something of his that was used in it and now like the writing had come off of it it was oh. ruined but it's like one day that might not be a trigger for me anymore but this week it was you know yeah oh my goodness yeah I think that's one of the really crazy parts about grieving is that we expect it to be like this linear thing like oh I'm I'm done the anger phase. Okay. Now on to the depression phase. Now on to mm-hmm. the bargain, whatever. Yeah. It's not, we're going to like, <laughs> you really just like ebb and flow through all of the phases whenever it decides that that's what it wants to do. Grief is yeah. And sometimes more than one at the same time. You know, I do think the five stages of grief are valid. Um, they are real, but like you're saying, they kind of happen all over the place and it doesn't, you don't just move through that section and then you're done. Like, right. It will keep popping up. And there's other things too, that people don't talk about. Like for me, I experienced insomnia and weight loss and hair loss and all this crazy stuff. That's not part of the stages of grief. Right. Right. And then even the, the numbness, I feel like a lot of people don't mm-hmm. really talk about that much. It's just yeah. feeling absolutely nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. How long do you feel like after um, his passing and moving, do you feel like you were able to get to a place where you could feel like experience joy again? Do you feel like that connection that you were creating with him was helping you with that? I feel like when I was alone, 
my connection with him was helping a lot. Um, but being around other people was really tough for me. Um, because I, I didn't know when I was going to break down into tears and I didn't really want anybody asking me if I was okay or (laughs) if I needed something. No, I just, I just want to (laughs) cry. But, um, I do think it took me, I think it honestly depended on who I was with. Um, because I know with his mom, we would have dinner every Sunday, um, because we, we needed each other at that time. Um, so we had dinner every Sunday and I remember that even like maybe like three months after we could just sit there and laugh about something and it would be totally fine. But like being with somebody else, I felt like I couldn't. Um, like, was it when someone from the outside, like not in your inner circle would be around? Did you feel like you had to perform or like you couldn't be yourself because they weren't part of your grief circle or how did that show up? I think it was even people in my circle. Mm. And I think it was partly because I could feel their grief too. And I didn't want to, in a sense, like offend their healing process. Um, Because I think there's like, I feel like there's like this stigma on like, when you lose somebody, like how, how dare you be happy right now? Like, yeah. And I, I didn't really want that kind of a view on me. Um, and that is a huge thing. Like, um, there's a lot of judgment around grief and especially when losing a partner, I feel like there's so much outside opinion on when it's okay to be smiling and laughing again, when it's okay to move on and be dating or finding a new partner, when it's okay to be doing X, Y, and Z. And there are no rules on this. Everyone does it in their own way. Absolutely. But I know I experienced the same thing. It's like, you feel self-conscious about, okay, I don't, I can't be too happy because some people think, well, will think I don't care or that I'm not grieving. And I, I am, um, but then also you don't want to be looking like you're in a state of like complete, you know, anguish all the time because then people have a hard time being around you. Right. There's like this weird, delicate balance of the two. Yeah. Um, I definitely struggled with that. And then it was like, we would celebrate his birthday. Um, and it's like, I could be laughing one minute and then the next minute I would be in shambles and I know that's weird for people. So I'm like, well, this is who I am right now. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's weird for me too. (laughs) Um, What do you feel like you have like learned about yourself since aunt's passing? Oh man. Um, I have learned and am still learning um, that we have to just do things that make us happy. Um, I spent so much time, like I said, I was a very stressed person. So I spent so much time being so stressed out and trying to make things happen and make sure everything was in order and all of that, that I feel like I really missed out on a lot of opportunities to just be happy with him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's so sad now, but um, it, it really has taught me that like, 
not everything is so serious. Like we, we have this life and it's not forever. And we have these people that we get to experience it with. And we really should just like spend as much time with them as we can to like do as much of the things that you love as you can and just not worry so much about everything else (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it's always going to be there. I mean, we're not going to be here forever, but that stuff it's going to be there whenever you get to it. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just you, do you think you now moving forward, like you kind of live in the moment more? I try. I'm still working on it, but I definitely try. Um, and just not doing things that don't make me happy. Um, whether it's like a job or going to an event or spending time with a specific person. Like if I don't, if I don't feel like I want to be there. I'm not going to be there. <laughs> yeah. How great is it that grief kind of does that to you? It like, I don't know. Like I feel like before, at least for me, I was much more willing to be a little bit of a people pleaser and like do things I didn't want to do. Now I'm more like, um, no, I don't want to do that thing. Like I'm very honest with myself and I feel it in my body more. Um, do you find that with people in your circle that have you still been able to like keep the same connections you had before? I know we kind of talked about this earlier, but, um, for like your closest friends, do they see these changes in you as well? And like, are you able to connect with them on the same level that you were before? Some people, um, I feel like I didn't really have a lot of friends before, um, but now I, I ad- have adopted his friends. So <laughs> his friend group is not my friend group. Um, yeah. I feel like with them, um, our connection has just gotten stronger. We're because I feel like we've all grown so much and we all understand what we've been through. Um, is that we, we don't have expectations of each other. Like we're all changing. So it's like, Oh, who are you this week? Okay, cool. (laughs) It's really cool. Um, but the friends that I did have before, um, those relationships are difficult to keep up with. Um, yeah, they just don't mesh the same, (laughs) but it's also like, like I still have love for them. Um, Yeah. We're different people, but I still love you. (laughs) Absolutely. I feel like sometimes people get used to a, of you showing up in a friendship in a certain way. And so when that starts to change, because you're changing, you're going through some hard stuff. Um, it's harder to keep that connection. They're not quite sure how to um, act around you or they're not used to you showing up in this new way. And so like the dynamics of friendships will change in grief for sure. Um, so I know that you are a few years further out than I am from the, you know, from the loss. Do you have any words of wisdom for me or for other widows, people who have lost a partner? Um, I feel like the biggest thing is just make sure you have a community of people that you feel comfortable with because as good as it feels sometimes to isolate and be alone the healing is so much easier when you have people to heal with. Um, they don't even have to say anything. Sometimes it's just having someone that's there to listen to you and to validate you and to let you know that whatever you're feeling is okay. 
is so helpful. And I think getting that, I don't know if I can curse on here, but <laughs> oh, go for it, girl. <laughs> I don't give a fuck attitude about other people's opinions is so necessary because everybody's going to have an opinion on your grieving process. And it doesn't matter because you're, you need to grieve the way that you feel is best for you. There's no time frame on it. There's no right or wrong way to grieve. There's no right place to grieve. It's just however long it takes you, however way it shows up for you, let it show up and just feel. Don't don't bury it. I feel so many people don't want to feel it, but it's mm-hmm. so much worse when you don't feel it. Yeah. I do. I do agree with that. And I also recognize that people, everyone moves through it in different ways. And like right now, even from the beginning, I've been trying to let myself feel it. I move through all these things I want to talk about and I want to be open with people. But there are other people who are grieving the same person who are quite the opposite. You know, they can't utter his name without it being painful. So I recognize that. I understand that will they move through it eventually in their own way? Yeah, for sure. And I can't control the way other people are grieving, but um, I do think what you're saying is, has been really helpful for me too, is just to let myself feel it and surround myself with people who allow me to do that. Yes. And even if it's not the same people who are, who are grieving the same loss as you, mm-hmm. um, like a community of multiple people, whether it's a therapist or, or family or friends or like a grief group or a grief coach, like just, just have a bunch of people in your pocket that you can like pick out <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> someone. Um, Who has been that for you? His mom has been a big part of that. Um, she never expected anything from me really. She didn't expect me to grieve in a specific way, but she was there for whatever I needed. If I wanted to talk about him, if I wanted to not talk about him, (laughs) if I wanted to laugh, if I wanted to cry, she was up for it all and didn't make me feel any kind of way um, about it. Like I didn't feel judged by her at all. Um, So... Yeah, she was definitely my person for that. And then one of my best friends, when I wanted to be distracted, that was the one I would go to. <laughs> but I, I do, yeah, I do think that's very important having community. Also, doing something that keeps them alive, um, doing something that honors their memory, whether it's like, I know some people make foundations. Um, I got a tattoo that reminds me of my fiance. Um, so like something that, that keeps them alive for you and keeps their memory going. Mm-hmm. It's also really helpful. Yeah. I completely agree with that. I have two tattoos as well about, about to get a third probably. And for those of you who don't know, and you are interested, interested in this, you can get tattoos made with, um, your loved one's ashes, like if they were cremated, which is super cool. Most tattoo artists are like super open to it. You just have to, you know, bring in a small, a very, very small amount of it and you can have them be a part of you 
um, you know, forever, which is really cool. Yep, I have that too. Um, before you wrap up today, would you just mind telling everyone where they can find you if they want to connect with you? Yes. Um, so I am pretty much everywhere. Um, I also have a podcast called Flowing. Um, uh, it's with Tiffany Lynn. So Flowing with Tiffany Lynn. Um, I am on Instagram. Um, I have a business Instagram and a personal. So my business Instagram is tiffanylynn.life, um, which is also my website, which is under construction at the moment. But hopefully by the time this episode is out, it'll be better. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm also on TikTok at I am Tiffany Lynn. Um, uh, yeah, you can find me anywhere. <laughs> All right, I'll leave that all in the show notes for anyone who's interested in connecting with you. Thank you so much for doing this with me. It was so good to talk to you again. Yes, thank you for having me. We'll talk soon. All right, bye. Bye. Okay, friends, that is our episode for this week. It was such a joy to talk with Tiffany. She is... A beautiful light in this world. And when she was telling her story, I found myself so many times flashing back to those, those first few moments after hearing about Jared's passing. And um, there's so many similarities in our story. And I'm so proud of her, of what she's doing in her life to help others um, move through loss, move through grief. Um, she just opened her books for grief coaching, as well as, um, virtual Reiki. So distance Reiki. So if you'd like to book with her, I'm going to leave her website and all of her links in the show notes below. And once again, if you liked this episode, go ahead and give it a rating and a review and follow along for next week's episode. Um, I do plan to be posting an episode for next week, which is a holiday week. It'll be uh, Thanksgiving weekend for those Americans of us that are listening. Um, but I still do intend to share an episode on Friday as normal. So I'm looking forward to seeing you all next week. I hope you have a great holiday and thank you for tuning in. We'll talk soon. Bye.